Thank you for joining us yet again for this, a slightly different episode of Spookernatural, our monthly movie club. I'm Nate, and I'm here as always with Lee. Hello. And like many of you listening, we are big, big fans of horror movies and the surrounding lore. Nothing sends a shiver down my dick like a true story, so that's our focus for today. The story, not my dick. That would be a short episode. (laughs) It is tiny. Lee has no idea what <laughs> Lee has no idea um, what today's episode is about, and today we switch places, and Lee gets to relax like I normally do while I tell the story. Um, but she, like you, is hearing it for the very first time. Would you like to know what we're covering? Yes. Fucking Jesus. I'm. I'm just. I have apprehension because part of me wants it to be a film that I love, but then. I like bitching about stuff. So like, there's there's plenty to bitch about. There's okay. plenty to bitch, but it is good. It is good. And as far as I remember, you do enjoy it. I also would like to say that I have a wider movie knowledge in oh, my head. God, yeah, God, yeah. No, a hundred percent. That's mostly because she's older. So today, <laughs> today we are discussing how to kill a co-host. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Okay. The okay. one that came out. Well, this is more the 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 law of Annabelle, but yes. Okay, the... I've got some hot takes, so I'm on board with this. Okay, sweet. Uh, I thought you would. So th- we are going to be. It is pulled from the Conjuring universe, mm-hmm. um, as in their fictionalized version versus the real events. So I'm going to go through the quote real events as, as well as they've been reported um and build from there and as we go along the the the, the differences between the real story and the conjuring universe is so vast um but it should be mm. should be a lot of fun so let the differences me... between what actually happened with the warrens and the conjuring universe oh. is vastly oh, different yeah at the Enfield Haunting, what I love about the Enfield Haunting, and I believe it came down to rights, because Warner Brothers had... Oh, God, Warner Brothers had the rights to Amityville. Don't quote me on this, because I might have misremembered it. But as far as I remember, Warner Brothers had the rights to the Amityville story, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the rights to the Enfield right. Haunting. So their version of events were totally bastardised to avoid copyright infringement. Yeah, but they didn't do anything with the Amityville. It had a tiny... Amityville they were involved in? No, I mean, the films they've done so far, unless the oh. one that's coming out... No, the first one was Amityville, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. The first one wasn't Amityville. Where was the first one? Uh, I don't know the story, but it wasn't Amityville because they're, at the beginning of the second one, 
they are uh, Amity oh yes they are I've misremembered and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. A, a smidge yes and it's her seeing him die isn't it in, in her like vision seeing Ed so. die and then she's yeah. terrified yeah 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 so but, but the, the interesting thing about the second one and we are going to get on to Annabelle just, just bear with um, the interesting thing about the second one is the, the, the guy the researcher that is at the home when the Warrens get there in mm. the film they par him off and make him out to be a total dickhead like he's been there for 20 minutes and has decided that it's all bullshit that poor motherfucker was actually there for over a year documenting uh, living living with them he became like a father figure to the kids and he had been documenting he documented thousands and thousands and hours of hours uh, thousands and thousands of hours of evidence and Ed and Lorraine Warren were at the home for a total of one fucking day went yeah this shit be haunted and then just fucking left <laughs> which I love which is just such a such a dick move is that cultural appropriation uh, <laughs> poltergeisty appropriation <laughs> uh, and I feel terrible for that guy as well because he actually went broke doing it like wow. he, he went bankrupt doing it he I don't really think there's any money in paranormal investigation unless you take people for a ride yeah yeah and and because so many people tried to discredit it and so many people attacked the story and by extension him and his evidence Mm. it just totally fucked his credibility nobody nobody would touch him um so it's 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 devastating but anyway i'm sure we'll uh i'm sure we'll revisit that at, at some point but as for now annabelle so those of you who have been living under a rock Annabelle is the story of a doll um, who, if you believe the Conjuring universe, I'm going to cut it short because it's fucking convoluted. The convoluting. The convoluting. Oh, God. Um, Is... uh, Do I... Do I outline this now or do I just tell the story and then build on it from there? Because I don't want to give too much away. Well, if you if you if you've not at all uh, familiar with the subject matter, it, it it's go and watch it and then come yeah back yeah to fuck it. it yeah go and watch it or just fucking search Annabelle doll. You will be you you'll you have to sift through a lot of bullshit, but you will find so so much. Um, so the. St- Story, the actual story of, of how it came to be. The original Annabelle doll was purchased in 1970 as a gift for a young nursing student named Donna, who was soon to celebrate her 28th birthday. She was reportedly delighted with the gift, and it took pride of place on her bed in the small apartment she shared with her friend and fellow student nurse Angie, and later Angie's fiancé Luke. The doll looked nothing like its Hollywood double. It was a smiley, disarming Raggedy Ann doll with bright red hair and eyes like saucers. Many stories tell of a decrepit, antique doll which would send a chill to your very core. However, the maker of the doll, the Knickerbocker Toy Company, only started manufacturing Raggedy Ann dolls in the mid-60s and they were very popular. So it's safe to assume that it was new when it was gifted to Donna. And honestly, it was pretty cute. The activity started very subtly. Donna would leave for her shift, ensuring that the doll was sat comfortably on her bed, but would return to find that the doll's arms and legs had been moved. Not a lot, 
but enough to be noticeable. This soon escalated, and the doll began moving completely, not just on the bed, but all around the room. And not long after this, the doll would show up in different rooms altogether, where Donna knew she'd not taken. The doll on one occasion was found standing, leaning against the wall, and on another was found kneeling freely on a chair. These were the most concerning, as if you've ever seen a Raggedy Ann doll, they don't hold their shape. They don't remain standing for long before their legs give way, and they don't kneel independently. In fact, Donna and Angie tried tirelessly to recreate the positions in which the doll was left to no avail. It couldn't be done without holding it in place. The pair started finding scraps of parchment paper around the home, of the sort that neither of the women claimed to own, and written in childlike scrawl were the words, help me. Donna finally decided to seek help when she returned home one day to find that the doll hadn't been moved any more so than had become normal, but instead appeared to have red, blood-like substances staining the back of its hand, and three distinct spots of the same on its chest. This is apparently what prompted her to contact a psychic medium for the first time, and having explained the activity, arranged for them to visit the home and conduct a seance. This was around four to six weeks after the activity began. The medium claimed to have been able to contact the entity and believed that it was actually a she, a little girl called Annabelle Higgins. The medium explained that Annabelle's life was tragically cut short at age seven on the land which Donna and Angie's apartment building now stood. The little girl claimed to have never made herself known before, but Donna and Angie were special. She felt comfortable around them, and she was happy. Up to this point, she'd been extremely lonely and wanted to be loved and cared for as any child does. The women sworn as medical professionals to protect and care for those in need opened their hearts to the little girl and invited her to inhabit the doll she'd grown so fond of. That way, she could remain with them. Donna and Angie were comforted by this. And even as the activity grew more intense in the coming weeks and months, they were happy in the knowledge that the little girl had found some peace. But this feeling wasn't shared by Lou, Angie's fiance. He was at this point living with them. He found the doll and his new roommate to be unsettling. He claimed to have a strong feeling of evil while in its presence. Lou had trouble sleeping in the apartment and began to experience sleep paralysis, often feeling that same oppressive presence. And when he did finally sleep, it was far from restful as he was plagued by persistent horrible nightmares. The stories vary somewhat from here, and nobody seems to be 100% sure about what happened to Lou next. From what I found, while alone in the apartment one afternoon, Lou was disturbed by a rustling sound in Donna's room. Fearing they had an intruder, he rushed the door and flicked on the light, but saw only the doll, laid face down in the corner of the room. He investigated further and approached the doll, but as he did, he was overcome by the feeling that he wasn't alone. 
He felt a presence behind him. He snapped around but was met with only the empty hallway from which he'd entered. He turned back towards the doll and as he did he felt a sharp burning sensation in his chest which made him double over in pain. He lifted his shirt to reveal seven bloodied scratch marks, three vertical and four horizontal. Whatever the specifics of that story are, Lou hadn't been reserved about his disliking of the doll and that feeling was clearly mutual. This was enough to make Donna suspect that the little girl maybe wasn't a little girl at all. She sought the advice of a local Episcopal priest, Father Hegan. Hegan then reported the case to his superior, Father Cook, who was quick to refer to renowned demonologists and paranormal advisors, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Roughly a year had passed since the activity began when the Warrens arrived at the apartment. They reviewed the case and affirmed Donna's suspicion that Annabelle wasn't a little girl after all. Annabelle, in fact, wasn't even human. They surmised that the doll had been inhabited by a demonic force in search of a human host, and by showing its sympathy and affection, they had made themselves vulnerable. In their words, spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or an object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll, it was looking to possess a human host. The Warrens recommended that the apartment be blessed by Father Cook, and at Donna's request, they removed the doll from the home. The Warrens had a purpose-built room at the back of their Connecticut home, in which they stored, or more, contained, items from some of the over 10,000 cases they'd worked. This is where the doll was to spend the rest of its days under lock and key. 18 locks, to be exact but getting it there proved treacherous. With the Annabelle doll strapped into the back seat of the car, Ed and Lorraine started home. They agreed it'd be best to avoid the highways, instead opting to take the back roads, reducing the risk of serious collision and harm. This didn't seem to discourage Annabelle, however. The couple reported that their journey was plagued with mechanical issues and near misses, their brakes failed on more than one occasion, their power steering failed and became unpredictable, and their engine would stall and cut out, seemingly for no reason. Ed doused the doll with holy water, which seemed to pacify the entity, and the activity calmed for long enough for them to complete their journey safely. When they finally arrived home, Annabelle was temporarily placed in Ed's locked office while they were preparing to move the doll to the more secure artifact room. But this didn't stop the doll freely roaming the couple's home much as it did while in the care of Donna. The Warrens eventually had a custom glass and wooden case built for Annabelle, adorned with a crucifix, both the Lord's and St Michael's prayer, and a wooden plaque reading, Warning positively do not open. Until his passing in 2006, Ed would also periodically say a binding prayer over the doll to ensure that the malevolent entity remained locked away in its case. Many stories have circulated about the now infamous doll, most recently a story that despite their efforts, Annabelle had escaped from their home. However, 
these rumours were found to be untrue, eventually quashed by the Warrens' son-in-law, who, since Lorraine's passing in 2019, has taken ownership of their occult collection and assumed control of the New England Society for Psychic Research, founded by the couple in 1952. I don't know, dolls kind of freak me out. Yeah. But if you compare the photos of what movie Annabelle looks like compared to... Her real-life counterpart, real- yeah. <laughs> I'm actually more scared of the Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah? Yeah, because I think to make it seem scarier for modern audiences, they've really kind of over-egged the pudding when it comes to making the doll look scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did the same with It as well. Yeah. I find the original It to be scarier than the new fucking Mako shark teeth looking beast that they've turned it into tearing little George's arm off that that I, Tim Curry had sharp teeth in the original yeah but he, but he didn't have it was the original one the blah, 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 the original one was sharp teeth but they were more subtle and it was more his dead eyes that were scary. <laughs> he, his, his dead eyes in that were far, far scarier than his teeth. Whereas they've really focused on making him look like, in this newer one, like... Have you seen... <laughs> do, you know, <laughs> do you know in Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> where, right, classic where, horror film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where the... Um, where the uh, spoiler alert. Where the... Uh, bed's bed, uh, the, the, the thing, the fucking thing with the tentacles and the... The Kraken. The Kraken, Christ, <laughs> may you write you. Um, it's got like like rows and rows of teeth, like spinning teeth. It, it, yeah. it reminds me of that. And to me, that's not especially scary. Although, R.I.P. Jack Sparrow, because that was really sad. You oh, got... I haven't seen that. Have you not? No, oh, I haven't right. seen that one. Well, to... That spoiler alert was for me then, obviously. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Told Elizabeth gives him a gives him a, a cheeky kiss and then shackles him to the mast, and and leaves him to die. It's really it's harrowing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah, back to Raggedy Ann. So I, I I know what you mean. I, I think I think knowing the real story, it's scarier because the doll is so unassuming. Yeah, and plus, movie Annabelle is kind of done up with the same kind of makeup I expect a prostitute in her seventies would be after leading a very hard life. <laughs> it is caked on. I'll give yeah. you that. And the doll in the film looks like um, it has at most a soft body with porcelain, porcelain, like porcelain, porcelain forearms, porcelain yeah. like shins. So that could be posed. As opposed to the Raggedy Ann doll, whose body's completely soft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes so so it makes the the Raggedy Ann makes the phenomena all that more scary because it is all the more impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. it's it's a doll that's meant for children, whereas Annabelle in the movie it's like a looks showpiece. like yeah, it looks like yeah. one of the dolls that your nan has in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's actually the the root of the the, the Conjuring universe's story. So. Casting back to the start of the films now, I've not, I haven't watched them all back to back, as in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Um, I have watched them all and have pieced together in my mind and through the the webs uh, a, a, a rough story of the 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 quote origins of Annabelle. Mm. So the original story goes that Annabelle Higgins was apparently a real person that we know. Or at, the le- or at the very least, that's what the the demon, the entity, was claiming to be. It was claiming to be the little girl. 
But couldn't he have just picked a name out of the ether? Well, and that would have matched anybody. Yes, but this Annabelle Higgins in question did actually die, and I'm talking real life, did actually die, supposedly, on the land which Donna and Angie's apartment was like apartment building was later built. Um, so from what I can tell. She was a real person. Okay. Um, it, it does sound as though the demon, like you say, just pulled a name out of its arse. And and uh, knowing that, uh, assuming all this, knowing that the little girl had, had passed. But anyway, the, the Conjuring universe will have you believe that in the 1940s, Dad's changing the wheel on his on his truck. He's wiggling the wheel. Fuck knows why, because that's not how you change your wheel. Wheel nut <laughs> flies out into the road. Little Annabelle, I'll get it! And then gets destroyed by a by a passing car. Just absolutely wiped out. They had to mop her up. That's uh, very similar to the story in Pet Cemetery with how uh, uh-huh. that little boy died. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean... Mm. Maybe it's maybe it's been inducted into uh, maybe it is now one of the tropes that we discussed that's just hardwired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just hardwired into your head. I will say though, it was done really well on Conjuring. It was really disturbing. Like rather than just normally when someone's hit by a car in a film, especially a kid, you just hear in the distance. But that this wasn't the case in this film. You actually see her like fold over the bonnet, which is is that in the first Annabelle film? Uh, Annabelle. I want to say Annabelle Creations, if memory serves, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, because Annabelle Comes Home is the the journey from the nurses yes. to the Warrens. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, the gotcha. chron- chronologically, little Annabelle gets murked by a car. Murked. Her, <laughs> her dad is a doll maker, start, and the family start to see Annabelle's spirit wandering the home, and they start to communicate with her. The dad makes a doll for Annabelle and invites her to inhabit the doll (coughs) Um, when she or it does so they soon figure out that it's not Annabelle and have a priest come over he blesses the gaff decorates the cupboard with bible passages puts the doll in the cupboard locks it up forgets about it the events of the nun happen Hmm. and then as a strange coincidence the remaining nun or nuns and a shitload of orphans appear at Mr and Mrs Higgins's home and live there while they're waiting for another monastery to be built or something the one of the one of the orphans I forget her real name so we will call her Victoria Victoria finds the cupboard and is obviously curious as all kids are. The dad says, no, don't go in there. So obviously she wants to go in there far more. Because kids are dicks. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, finds the doll, is infatuated with the doll and releases it from its from its cupboard home. Um, again, not a little girl, not just a doll. Tis a demon. Demon possesses Victoria and Victoria assumes the identity of Annabelle Higgins kills a shitload of people, ends up in, I think it's like a foster home, because then she's later adopted at the end of the film. Um, a woman comes in, who are you, little girl? I'm Annabelle. But she assumes the, the identity of Annabelle and is adopted. Fast forward a little bit, the doll is in the wind, the Annabelle doll is in the wind, the porcelain doll that Mr Higgins made, um, and is later picked up by a guy called John 
who gifts the doll to his then pregnant wife Mia. So this is shit. Which film is it? It might have been Annabelle Comes Home. This one because it shows the the death of. We'll we'll get we'll get into it. So. The doll's a gift, she's been looking for it forever and it fits right in with the collection and it doesn't, by the way. All these other dolls are just just perfectly porcelain angels, never been touched by the demon. And then Annabelle's there looking like a four dollar whore, like you say. It's, it's just, it's a real sucking dick for five bucks. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> she, she looks really rough compared to the rest of them. Um, now, Annabelle Higgins, the little girl, by this point is no longer a little girl and has grown up to start a cult and breaks into the home, along with her cult buddies, breaks into the home of John and Mia, tries to kill them both. They fight back. It's a triumphant battle. And Annabelle locks herself in the doll room, cradling the Annabelle doll, and I want to say slits her throat over it because that just sounds like something they do, but one way or another, she bleeds into the eye socket of the doll to symbolise, obviously, the transfer of the demon from Annabelle Higgins, Victoria, the, the, the woman, back into the doll. Um, and then the doll's back and forth a little bit. John tries to throw it away. Mia doesn't want to throw it away. One Why way... doesn't Mia want to throw it away? What the fuck is wrong with her? Oh, she likes it. She's, she's into that porcelain shit. Even though the dress is, like, bloodstained and shit, which is a bit disturbing. Um... I have no idea. Gives her character. Put it back on the shelf. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just give it a bit of... Vanish. It's, it's an advert for Vanish. Uh, vanish, we're open for sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, l- one way or another, it leads us to where our story started. The real story started, should I say. Um, and it ends up in the hands of Donna as a birthday gift bought by her mum. It's Don't impo- you think then that's really convenient and it ends back up on the land it started on? Exactly. So there's a convenient truth. There is. There, <laughs> there is. But I, I think there's what the Conjuring universe tried to tried to show was that there was a, a supernatural draw to the doll. So Annabelle Higgins, the, the, the Victoria, the, the girl, didn't happened to break into the home where the doll was being kept Mm. she was drawn to it and is the doll was donna's mum then drawn to buy the doll to return it to it it, it's all bollocks but it it, it, you're left to assume that's the sort of that's the the thing yeah um everything barring it turning up at donna's gaff is bullshit the doll wasn't built in the 1940s as I said in the story the company who made the Annabelle rag doll uh, raggedy Ann doll rather they didn't start making those dolls until the early 60s mid 60s right so there is no physical way it could have been by the 1970s when when they get it when Donna gets it but it could be like one of those um, weird crustacean-y things on a beach that discard one shell and then do a little jaunt to another one it, it could be, it could be. As far as I can see, it's all fictitious. Okay. It, it was just fabricated. With good reason, because it fleshes out the story, makes it super creepy, and honestly, it's really well done in the films. It, it does It does look good. It is the Annabelle story, the, the Hollywood version of the Annabelle story, is pretty fucking scary. 
Um, but as far as accuracy, n- nada, nothing. Um, the most inaccurate thing about it is the actor they've cast as Mr. Warren because he is fit. He, he if is. you've ever looked at the photos of what the Warrens actually look like. Yeah, he looks <laughs> like you've taken a ball sack and then you've beaten it. He just, he, he just doesn't look... He just doesn't look good. No. But then Lorraine... Lorraine was pretty good looking in real life, but nothing compared to the name of the actresses. Oh, I don't know. You don't know? No. You're the name person. I'm not... I know, I'm good with faces. I'm not good with names. Oh, see, I'm bad with both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she is... I can tell you what she's been in. (laughs) uh, That doesn't help us. Um, She is... Oh, my God, fine. But this is not objectify... Ed and Lorraine Warren an hour. Um, although we can, we, I'm sure Just we can saying, do that. If they're going to try and make a true story, <laughs> um, they should try and make it true. Her name is Vera Famiga, Famaga. That's a good thing she'll take my name when we get married then because that shit's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, I love that he, as in the guy who plays Ed Warren, I, I love how likeable he is. Are you, are you finding the name? Uh, it's Patrick something, I know. Swayze. No, he's dead, so... Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he died of uh, pancreatic cancer. Oh, that's less funny. <laughs> I feel bad for laughing now. Uh, Daddy Warren is played by Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson, that's it. Who now only appears in horror films. Yeah, but for good reason, because he's so good at it. He is, but it's very confusing when you're thinking of Insidious. Insidious versus The Conjuring Universe. Conjuring, yeah, it's yeah. so confusing. But I really like him as Ed Warren, but mostly because... I like that basically in every Conjuring film where he is around kids, he ends up singing Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love it. Only fools die. And it's just, would it the Warrens so well. really have liked Elvis considering they were quite strictly Yeah, religious. and Elvis was the embodiment. He was a saucy boy. He yeah, was naughty. <laughs> that is very true, yeah, yeah. Although maybe Ed, Ed, maybe Ed, Ed, Ed Warren, Ed Warren, Ed, 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 Mr. Ed, Mr. Warren had... A spiky side to him, maybe he wasn't all you know. I'm sure Mr. Ed was a horse in a sitcom in the 50s. A horse? Oh, Mr. Ed, yes, sorry, I totally. <laughs> I was thinking Ed Warren, and I'm like, was he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't find that in my research. Yes, in the original Conjuring film, Ed Warren was played by a horse <laughs> who just so happened to be called Mr. Ed. <laughs> you see, I was thinking that Ed Warren was maybe a voice actor, you took it a totally different route. <laughs> Oh god! Um, but the, the there are so many. Even even past when the doll gets to to the Warren gaff, there's so so much that's gone on with the doll. It it I didn't include it in the story because they are for the most part unsubstantiated, mm. and they were all just claimed by Ed before he passed away. R.I.P. Ed. The story goes that since being locked away in the Warren's Occult Museum, which, did you know, you actually, you can't visit now, it's shut, it's closed. They had some zoning issues and you can't visit the Occult Museum now unless you, like, there's probably some loophole where you can, on the sly, offer a couple of grand to have a look around, but... Grand? Oh, God, yeah. They're not going to let you in for 20 quid. Jesus Christ. No, I, I don't know that to be a fact. I just imagine <laughs> that you might be able to slip someone a couple of quid and, and you know, you'd be in. Um, but, yeah, I was sad to learn that. I was sad to learn that you can no longer go and see it. 
not that I'll be in Connecticut anytime soon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the stories go these the, the two individuals that follow are unnamed. So I'm going to call one priest and one Hillbilly Henry. Right? Hillbilly Henry. <laughs> yes, and you'll see why. So the priest visited the occult museum and being showed round by Ed, the priest scoffed at the the power that Ed believed Annabelle to, to, to harness and took the full case that Annabelle was in. He was a fucking ripped priest. Mm. Took this full case and threw it to the ground, exclaiming that the power of God is stronger than that of evil. But it proved not to be the case because he was in a horrible car accident on the way home. <laughs> he slid into a tractor trailer and ended up in hospital for it, it was it was near fail. It, he almost died. The other oh, Annabelle. Exactly. The other uh, most uh, most publicised one. The other one that that Ed really stood by. There were two visitors to the uh, to the occult museum. Um, and that was our our buddy Hillbilly Henry and his girlfriend Hillbilly Henrietta. <laughs> uh, they arrived on motorcycle because they're cool. And looking round the museum, midway through Ed explaining the Annabelle phenomena, had uh, Hillbilly Henry stormed up to the to the case. Banging on the glass, claiming she wasn't all that, and that she that 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 she should scratch him the way that 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 she'd scratched Lou, and and just 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 doing her up like a mackerel, basically, just just really just really calling her out. Um, and on the way home, he died. He slid. Wow. He slid his bike, his motorcycle, into a tree and died. His girlfriend, hillbilly Henrietta, was in hospital for over a year. Oh my god, don't fuck with Annabelle. Exactly. And they are the only two people who apparently have made any sort of snarky comment to Annabelle's face. We redheaded women are spicy. <laughs> uh, but I, I certainly wouldn't be calling her out. I would be please no. and please and thank yous and and yeah, there's there's no, no way I I'd be. wouldn't be talking to her. <laughs> yeah, there's that as well. But I also wouldn't want to not make eye contact with her in case that upset her. It's like a crackhead at a bar, right? You don't want to look at him because you don't want to you don't want to engage him in in eye contact. But equally, you don't want to not look at him in case that catches his eye, and then he goes. You can't win with crackheads. Just give you like a slobbery kiss, like ignore me now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's there's no way around it. Is what I'm saying that Annabelle is very much like a crackhead that you can't ignore them and you can't engage them too much because either way, they're going to end up sticking something in your bum. Right. Well, if you are going to go visit the Annabelle doll, please make sure you use protection. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you do, let us know how much it is, because I, I would be really, I, I would be keen to go and see it, but I'm not about to slip anybody a couple of grand. Because uh, when I say zoning issues, it was their their home, mm. the, the 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 actual uh, the actual museum is their occult room that I mentioned in the story. Yeah. So at the back of their home, in the I don't know if it's a basement or if it's just like a slightly downhill room. Like it is a basement, but it's not under the house. Right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, so, so that obviously was never designated as a as a, as, a, as a business as a what's the word as a 
as a commercial area, as, a, as like a commercial premises. It was also known as a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was always just a residential property. They never had appropriate permits. Because bear in mind, when they opened it in the fifties, no one gave a shit about permits. Like it wasn't it wasn't a thing. So unless you were a black man trying to open a business. Oh yeah, and then you're fucked. Yeah, that's game <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, but their neighbours on their quiet residential street, a weren't happy that there was no parking. <laughs> Because people were flocking in. They weren't happy with the ridiculous amount of traffic in and out. Because bear in mind, these are just little residential streets, single-lane residential street, mm. residential streets. So they didn't have the capacity to allow for a large influx of traffic. <laughs> so it was just backed up for miles, people trying to get to the Warren home. If they really wanted people to pay to see it, though, they could move the whole thing somewhere else. Well, apparently that's in discussion. And that's just reading what the son-in-law has said, and I think his name's like Ray... I thought it was something like Tony. Something Spay, something Ray, t- Tony Tony Spay rings a bell. <laughs> something like that. Um, I didn't make a note of him because he wasn't important until the very, very end of the show and I didn't think we'd get very much into Tony. <laughs> Um, but yeah, looking at an interview with him, he I, I believe it is in the works that, that they're looking to, to move it across, but it's been closed since... From what I read, 2019, so I wonder if it closed after Lorraine's passing. I'm, I'm not sure. Possibly. Um, but, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be really curious to... I would love to go and see the room and just the, just the home in general. I imagine the energy there is so, so just... I imagine it's just palpable. I, I, would love to, I would love the experience, but I equally don't want to pay 1,200 quid for a flight out there and then two grand to bribe some... some uh, local government official to, to, <laughs> um, but yeah so when I say zoning issues that's the sadly that's the uh, they're the issues they had always comes down to a red tape doesn't it it does it does you gotta grease the palms but, <laughs> <You gotta>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh I almost forgot another thing that I wanted to mention on there that I, I should have addressed earlier in that story, there's a recurring theme of threes. So three dots of blood-like substance on the Annabelle doll's chest, mm-hmm. three vertical scratches on Lou's chest, and then the four horizontal. There is a very significant meaning with the number three in looking at demonology mm-hmm. and I deliberately didn't mention this in the demonology episode because I was keen to discuss it here and I almost forgot to discuss it here um, the three is something that comes up a lot in demonology and is thought to be a mocking of the of the holy the, trinity the, the trinity yeah the holy trinity it's so if you hear three knocks in the night that's directly mocking the father the son the holy spirit and those threes on his chest and on the doll's chest that is a direct sort of a direct reference to that fuck you jesus (laughs) and more interestingly in my opinion the three vertical four horizontal total being seven seven is also a very a very prevalent number in well, in Christianity, for for a start, the seven seals of the apocalypse, the seven the seven trumpets, and there was another one you made seven deadly sins. Yeah, it's a recurring sort of theme, so it's thought that that is also a mockery, and I don't know how much I buy into this next one, but 
I also can't remember if this is even correct, so I'm going to quickly Google the picture. Um, but seven lines, seven straight lines, makes up... It is enough to draw a pentagram. I'm going to quickly Google that because I don't know if I've remembered that right. Um, let's have a look. Pentagram. Pentagram. So that's... I've got pentagrams one. on my fingers and I'm trying to work this out. <laughs> so I googled it in the time it took you to look at your finger. Jesus. Two, one, three, two, four. three, four, five. What? No. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, I'm totally wrong. But it's it's a it's a pentagram with a bit of an extra flourish on the side of it. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was really cool. And it's not something that, that really is discussed a lot. I, I, I couldn't really find any research around that. That's just... I, I know that from being a paranormal nerd. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, it's weird how seven and three can still be some people's lucky numbers, though. Three? I've never heard of three, be- of three being a lucky number. Is that your lucky number? <laughs> you fucking weird. <laughs> Why? What's the significance? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Just three is lucky for me. Okay. Like, usually, like good things come in threes. Also, also bad things come in threes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's looking fair enough. Fair funny. enough. Yeah, I see. I like the number fifty-four, but that's just because it's aesthetically pleasing. I like that it's odd, but also even. Do you know what I mean? I like it's just a very nice looking number. I've never met a number <laughs> that I thought that's no, a lot nice looking. Number. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't think I've got a lucky number. I. I I don't know. When I was 15, I got laid for the first time. Is that a lucky number, 15? <laughs> Do you know? It depends how good it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dreadful. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I think that is about going to wrap up Annabelle. Um, the Warrens' just son-in-law, Tony Spearer. Tony Spearer. So what, what did I say? It was like Ray, Ray? Ray. Ray Spearer. <laughs> uh, tell you what Annabelle does remind me of, though. As yeah. in, there's another story about a haunted doll. Have you ever heard of Robert the Doll? Yes. He's terrifying. Yeah. He is horrifying. He's in a museum you can go and see. Oh. And if you are rude to him, bad things happen. Yeah, and the that. I've heard that the, the case that he's in is adorned with apology notes from people who have... Um, taking the piss out of him, upset him, just looked at him wrong. That's horrible. Um, or haven't given him the respect he feels he's due. Yeah, he's a bit like thick, you, he? he kind of thinks he's the king of the castle in that museum. Well, he kind of is. And he's also absolutely terrifying. The picture of him that I saw... Is horrendous. It is. It, it looks like he's got acne scars. How does a doll get acne scars? I don't understand. Like, he's got a pitted face, hasn't he? Like, he's... Because mm. he's not porcelain. He's like... He's made of wood. Is he made of wood? I don't know. I don't know what he's made but, out but of. But whatever it is, it's gone pitted and rotten over time. So it's not the people who have, who have acne are rotten. That's just the, describing the material that Tony's made out of. Uh, is, no, did you say Tony? Tony? Tony's the son of the... <laughs> Tony is not made out of wood, although I'm sure his manhood has no problems, if you know what I mean. Um, he, look, he looks like one of those really solid dolls that's got some stretchy materials stretched over him. And yeah. he's dressed as a sailor, which I find creepy as fuck. Have you seen the picture of the dog in his lap as well? That dog looks fucking wired. <laughs> <laughs> but can you see behind all the letters? Yeah, yeah, so they're the apology notes. Yeah. Because um, if you don't give him the respect he deserves and acknowledge him when you're going through the museum, he about to 
He about to fuck you, you up. Um, cool. And it I says can't... that the dolls cause things like car accidents, broken bones, people losing their jobs, divorce, and, I quote, a cornucopia of other misfortunes. Ooh, spooky. Don't disrespect the doll. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what, what he's made out of, because... I, I don't know if he is if he has got like material stretched over him because you can see really defined features like his eyebrow ridge. Yeah, but you can embroider those on. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But look at his look at his feet. So. Yeah, but his feet are a totally different material. I don't think they are. They are. It's like a felt. No, I don't think it's made out of felt. Looks like felt. Anywhere, whatever he's been out. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is scary though. Look him up, and, and you'll see what I mean about his pitted face. It's um, yeah, it's pretty awful. Ooh, there's a video here that's the uh, the Robert doll, the real story, and in brackets, <laughs> sorry Robert. Um, it's only two and a half minutes as well. It's awesome. Right, so as ever, if you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you thought, as long as it's nice. Or if you have stories of your own, give us a shout. That is at SpookerPod on Instagram and what's the other one with the bird? Twitter. Um, with or the bird. With, with the bird. Or uh, email at uh, SpookerPod at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to know if you've actually seen Annabelle with your own eyes. Yeah. Or even Robert the doll. I'm, or even if I'm you are a demon. This. If you are a demon, you've just killed several orphans and you're now on the hunt to start a cult. I'd be interested. Um, I'm not really sure I'd want Annabelle herself to get in touch. Well, as long as you don't come to my house. Annabelle, I can give you his address if you want. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, anything else to add before I sign off? Sorry, Robert. I don't know. Yeah, shit. Yeah, sorry. Robert, I'm sorry for talking about your face. You are a handsome man. And thank you for your service as a sailor. And the dog is not cross-eyed. It is beautiful, even though it looks like it just snorted like a good kilo. You'd have to do that to be Robert the doll's buddy, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Would you really want uppers around fucking Robert the doll? Keeps you peppy enough to keep the boy happy. True. True. I feel like we could just sedate Robert though and help Can't everyone out. Sedate evil. Yeah, just give him you know, just give him a little handful of indica and let time take its <laughs> 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 Okay, that's about it. And I forgot my own name. I'm Nathan. I am Nate I am Nathan, I am Nate. Um and Lee. I'm Lee, not Nate. Yeah, no, no, she's not Nate. I'm, I'm, I'm Nate. She's Lee, um, and this is a podcast. This is uh, Spooky Natural, and <sighs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>